Guys, it's Joe Wolverton, the teacher of liberty, back again with another episode of Why Didn't I Get Taught This Stuff in School? That is, you know, that's not like actually the name of the podcast. The name of the podcast is Teacher of Liberty. And please, guys, will you pass this around? Like, there have been a few of you who have contacted me and said, I saw this and I passed it to my friend and he thinks it's so good. Please do that. I think it's good. I think that what we're doing here is important. I, I, I'm not saying that because it's me. I just happen to be the, the telescope. But I'm with the telescope, you can see things that are far off and they look close. And I want to be that. I, and we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, the, the name of it is Teacher of Liberty. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. Obviously, you're watching me on YouTube or I wouldn't be looking in the camera. Please pass it to your friends. Tell your friends, unless you're embarrassed. I mean, don't pass it to them if you think it's rubbish. You know, if you're, but if you don't think it's rubbish, please do me that solid, yeah? And tell people about it. And let's make it where we can offer, I can offer you more. Because right now, I'm, I'm literally giving all I have to give. You know, I joke about it being brought to you by, um, you know, Home Depot or something and that it's not, but it isn't. And I would like to be able to do that. I would like to have, you know, some sort of thing where I can give away an entire Liberty Fund library, which they would do, or a Harvard Classics, you know, the red and the green books, which they would do if they saw that there were enough people. So if you can pass this around and and we both, you look, it's just you and me, we both know I'm not going to become rich with this podcast and I don't want to what I want to do is make it where there are enough people getting this message that we can accomplish the purpose for which I started this podcast and that purpose being to teach the things that we weren't taught that our ancestors were taught that turned them into the people that had the courage to take their liberty back despite all the odds that's all I want that's it but we have a better shot at that if we pass the you know if you pass it on to your friends that there is a podcast that is kind of goofy but not it's, it's not two hours long all of that right pass it along like right now I'm sitting in the studio you probably can hear the fact that the landscape guys are literally right outside my window making so much noise my eardrum has now begun to bleed right there's a little droplet so when you see the droplets and you're like oh my gosh and you're like something's you know how you like see those videos and someone's like i see your neck is swollen and then that guy goes to the hospital and it's cancer those droplets you see it's nothing it's my eardrum has yes has burst but i know why and i will go to the doctor as soon as I'm done recording this. That's how much you mean to me. <laughs> but yeah, it's super loud, and I'm sorry, but we gotta get this out, and I want y'all to know about this that I'm talking about today, and here we go! Enough of that! So, anybody who knows me personally, you know something about me. If I were to ask, like, everybody who knows me, what's a quirky thing about Joey? Literally, I think, you know, like, some kind of bougie thing about him because I am the most non-bougie person you know I'm not kidding you I have a garbage palate when it comes to food I I I, I don't you know go to the soft drink things and I'll have a blood and some super name I'm like coke zero man and don't put any flavor in it I am basic but if you asked everybody who knows me What's something bougie, something quirky about Joey? They would say, the bloody pens and pencils and paper. I, they are my jam. They are my J-A-M, y'all. I love me some pencils, some pens, and some paper. And th look, let me just show, can I just show you? Okay. And for those of you who you know me and you're like, oh my gosh, here he goes again. Nappy time. You should put your head down and go nappy. Go CP, CP, CP time. But for those of you who want to get to know me, I'm trust me, the stuff I'm telling you about right now is part of the message for today. 
Don't blip, blip, scroll. Don't go to Joe Rogan right now. Just give me a minute, okay? Give me a minute of your time. Or Theo Vaughn. Don't go. Don't go there right now. Stay with Joey. Let me show you some stuff. Notebooks, paper, pen. Uh, notebooks, pens, and pencils. Those are my thing. That's my bougie thing. Yes, I spend way too much money on it. This is Claire Fontaine. This is paper made in France, okay? I used to buy every kind of notebook. Moleskine, um, what else? I don't know, Rhodia, all kinds of stuff. Claire Fontaine, this French paper, has made me notebook monogamous. I used to be a player. No, no, I wasn't a player when it came to notebooks. I just crushed a lot. That's the really truth. I wasn't a player. I just crushed a lot. Well, now I'm monogamous. I've settled down in a relationship with Claire Fontaine. And yes, it's it's from France, okay? There, I said it. I'm copying to it. I remember when people find out about this, they're like, you buy your notebook from France. Okay, that sounds bad. That sounds bad. I'm going to admit it. But yes, I do. Because guys, this paper, let me just let me just tell you about this paper. First of all, it's like writing on glass. It's that smooth. It's so it's smooth like with a V smooth. Okay? It is made with unicorn tears at exactly twelve thousand three hundred and forty nine feet of elevation in the French Alps by four blind French monks who at exactly 3.04 a.m. harvest the wood and the unicorn tears. They bring the unicorns over. They have them cry. They show them old yeller, and then they cry into the vat, and they make this paper. And this paper is the notebook that I use. And it's not, what do they call it? Sponsored. Today's episode sponsored by Claire Fontaine. I wish, because then I could give away Claire Fontaine notebooks. But Claire Fontaine. All right, for my pencils, okay, I'm pencil, pretty much pencil monogamous. Blackwing. These Blackwing pencils, guys, do yourselves a solid. Okay, some of you, you're going to go on the Amazon and you're going to be like, Claire Fontaine, nope, not paying that for a notebook when I can get one for 25 cents at Walmart. And you're going to look at the Blackwing pencils. And, nope, not going to pay that for a pencil when I can buy a thousand of them for a penny on Amazon. Guys, I tell you, every time I write with, this, with these pencils, which anytime someone sees me, I write with them literally every day. I mean, you can see. I write to them with them till they're down to the nub. And then I have a little thing that you stick the nub in so you can keep writing with it. These Blackwing pencils. This is 42 for Jackie Robinson. These Blackwing pencils. They write, oh my gosh, guys, it's life-changing. And guess what? They're made of cedar. So when you, even down to the sense of smell, oh, just so amazing. And when you write with them on Clairefontaine paper, forget about it. Now my pens. This company that I'm about to show you, this pen, none of these people have sponsored this. I'm doing this. This is just Uncle Joey just helping you. I want you to let make writing great again. Okay? Let's do that together. Let's make it an event again. The pens I use are these Retro 51 Tornadoes. They have their slogan for their company is Life's Too Short to Carry an Ugly Pen. And they're right. These, look at this. Look at that. It's first of all, it's a beautiful shape. This one is don't tread on me. And liberty or death. It's like someone at their marketing company says, how can we get Joey to buy some pens? Like they would have to fake that. But anyway, that one. So I use this one all the time. The Don't Tread on Me and Liberty or Death. Retro 51 Tornado. Yes, you can get them on the Amazon. Yes, they're too expensive. This is the other one I like carrying. The Bennington flag from the War for Independence. 76, there you see. Yes, I have the stealth one which I have the pencil that matches, and I know a lot of y'all uh, have bought the pencil because it's like 1.3 millimeters. It's so nice. But anyway, this is the stealth. They call it the stealth, right? It's like James Bond, Wolverton, Joe Wolverton, licensed to write. Anyway, there you go. Retro 51. Not bra. Now, some of you that know me are saying, wait a minute, this dude showed, yeah, he showed us the Claire Fontaine. We know the Blackwing pencil. We know the Retro 51. We know. What about the... 
fountain pen for which I am notoriously famous. Here you go. This is a Lamy fountain pen. It's a fountain pen. I don't know if you can see the little thing there. Filled with ink. Guys, if you haven't written with a fountain pen, you've never written. I'm just going to I'm going to leave it at that. If you haven't written with a fountain pen, you've never written anything at all ever in your life. I use these. Now, there is one thing that I do when I I have I I just do it when there's an occasion, when you feel it, when there's that vibe, I literally write with a quill. Look, you can see that I write with that because I don't know how they do it on, you know how they do it on like podcasts. They're like, I put my hand here in it, folks. I don't know how to do that, it, right? But anyway, I really use this. A student of mine years ago got me this. It's lovely. And I actually have a little blue tank of ink and you can see that some of it's missing because it doesn't take a lot. Writing. Yes, that's the only bougie thing about me. I promise. And I just love the experience of writing. And the place I write most, the place I use these pencils and pens and Claire Fontaine notebooks and Black Wings and Retro 51s who don't sponsor me at all because I nobody knows who I am. But the way I use these mostly is in the keeping of a commonplace book. Now, many of you may have heard of a commonplace book, but many of you have not. And I want to talk to you about this because it is so, and do not right now, and I'm being serious, don't switch off because he's like, oh my gosh, he's talking about notebooks. I am not talking about notebooks. I'm talking about a way to use a notebook that will literally, and I'm using that word the way it meant, the way it's meant will literally change your life, guys. And I know that my use of these pens and pencils and Clairefontaine paper, like as if you needed any further proof of my insanity. But I'm going to tell you, my life since I discovered what it meant to keep a commonplace book has been better in many ways. And I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating for the set. Why, who, why would you care? Why would I devote a whole episode to this if it wasn't important? That I can guarantee you. You're not going to have any throwaway episodes on this. I put my soul into these. And today, yes, a commonplace book, it needs to happen, guys. So you can use any notebook you want. And I'm going to explain to you what a commonplace book is. But yes, you use a notebook for it and you use a pen or a pencil, something to write with which to write. Claire Fontaine, but I get it. You have your bougie in other ways, right? I'm bougie with the pens and pencils and fountain pens and ink and Claire Fontaine paper. You can smell the unicorn. Sometimes you're like, I can smell the unicorn. He was a little too close to the vat when they had him crying in it. You could smell it commonplace book what is a commonplace book why should you keep one what is it all of that kind of stuff i'm going to answer that right now but please hang in there with me guys watch this because again this this is the sort of thing that really does change a person's life it changed it changed mine it changed lots of people all right so a commonplace book how, how did he get that name well aristotle the famous Athenian philosopher Aristotle, he recommended to his students that they write down the things that they heard that day or read that day that they wanted to remember, that, that they, he encouraged them to keep what he called topoi, or singular is topos, it's where we get our word topic, I'm telling you guys, you know your Latin and your Greek, your vocabulary in English just explodes. So he said, have a, a you know, a, a, a book somewhere where you record, not a notebook. They didn't have them back then, but have somewhere, have a bunch of topoi, which is the plural, right? Of topics, of headings, of places, meaning a place where you record it. And then under those places, write those things under the appropriate place Therefore, everything you write that has something in common will be in the same place. That's where we get commonplace book. All You have headings under those headings, which the place, 
Each place has everything in common, commonplace, right? That's where it's got its name. Not from like some people say it's just the regular commonplace stuff that you know. That's not how it got its name. Aristotle, in his book Rhetoric, if you want to look it up and read how he, he recommends it so that you be a better speaker, right? I'm telling you right now, it'll make you a better speaker, a better writer, a better listener, a better person by keeping a commonplace book. Here's my commonplace book. Now, no, it's not bound in leather. It's I buy these leather covers and you can see you screw them in yourself, right? And these are made by Murdy, M-U-R-D-Y, not a sponsor, but they're great. You can tell mine's like all worn in. It's years and years old. I just keep moving it to the new notebook. This is my commonplace book. Now, Plato, let's talk about Plato. I know you're like, Plato? I'm going to have a whole episode on him, so I'm not going to talk about how the fact that Plato is not even his name. It's his nickname. And, but stay tuned. We'll have a Plato episode, and you'll be like, dude, I... Just trust me. But Plato believed in this thing called anamnesis. Anamnesis to Plato. And I'm making this very simple. This isn't a philosophy podcast. Anamnesis to Plato meant that everyone on earth had a soul, and that soul was eternal. And somewhere, somehow, by somebody, at some time, you were taught things. Your soul was taught things. When you came to earth and took a body... You still had those things in your soul. And when you learn something, Plato says, you're not really learning it. You're remembering it from being taught before. So Plato would tell his students to remember and to write down anything that they remembered, what we would call learning. Write it down so that you wouldn't be have to constantly be rediscovering things right you could build on your on your growth right on your improvement and it would be easy to track your improvement now his students and people influenced by him his students they began they they began uh practicing this habit and they called it hypomema now you'll hear this word if you look up on wikipedia or whatever the history of commonplace books, they'll mention hypomema. Hypomema basically is a Greek word which translated really simply means a, mem a memo, or, or a record, right? A little note. And that was the beginning sort of of commonplace books as we know them. Anything that a Greek young man, because young women at that time wouldn't be getting up to the, you know, reading the sorts of things that the young men would, and they wouldn't be taught to be speakers and lawyers and things like that right so you would carry it around and anything you heard or read during the day anything your teacher taught you anything a mentor taught you anything you read you wrote down in your commonplace book and the thing the the actual note you took was called hypomema right a record you did that you did that things so that you could improve your memory and you would have a material a tangible record it's like taking your memory and storing it on paper right that's the thing you want to take your memory because remember uh socrates says writing is the end of memory you don't have to remember, remember einstein's favorite thing why would i remember why would i memorize my phone number when i can look it up in the phone book right well a commonplace book becomes this sort of tangible material place for things you want to remember so you write them down things that you consider worth worth writing down now one of the ways that a guy who has he's written a, an essay on commonplace books and why they're so awesome now these essays are old but i'm telling you this guy michael foucault he wrote and he said that one of the ways you can use your commonplace book is not simply to write down the things that you read or you hear and you want to remember, but also to keep track of your progress in your attempt to either develop a virtue or to rid yourself of a vice. Now, the way that th this can be done in many ways, right? You could also do that in a journal, and I'll get to the fact that a journal and commonplace book, not the same thing. But, for example... Ben Franklin, he kept, if you've read the autobiography of Ben Franklin, you know that he kept a commonplace book. And in his commonplace book, he describes how he would 
pick a virtue that he wanted to develop, and he would keep track in his commonplace book of how often he failed to demonstrate that virtue. Okay, so he would like divide it up one column for each day, and then he would make a little mark every time for each day, every time on that day when he failed to demonstrate that virtue, to practice that virtue. Okay, you can do that. Or if you want to get rid of the, I don't know, anger, if you want to be someone who has less anger, okay, then you could in your commonplace book, right, you know, divide it up into the seven days on on a page or or do a page a day if you if you want it whatever but then you could record simply that and it becomes and guess what guys this way you can see that you're becoming a better person you will have tangible proof because your memory will start to fail you right in law school that's why The thing of speedy trial is something in the Constitution because the longer it would take from the act to the trial, the less reliable your memory is. Well, I don't have to remember everything I learned the first time I read Discourses Concerning Government because I can just go to my commonplace book and I can see how the first notes I took are seriously, are cringe. Like I cringe when I read them. I'm like, I can't believe I that's all I got out of that, right? But that's a good thing because it shows that I'm progressing. And guys, you want to know that. We need to know that. You need to have this tangible material memory, right? So that and I'm telling you when you do this, it encourages you to read better books. Because you're going to want to have that experience, that tactile experience of, of a pencil or a pen on a page, of leaving behind, of staining this white piece of paper with this lead. That analog action stores in your brain longer than typing. That study that was done in, what, 2012, where they took university students that kept notes in a notebook by hand with pen or pencil and then those that took them on a phone or on a tablet or on a laptop the people that took them by hand remembered something like 30 percent more of what was taught in the class than the people who took notes electronically and this analog it's a way to push back besides right it's a way to push back against everything being digital everything being swipe scroll it and it does, it, that act, and when you've become accustomed to that act of writing and how it feels, how it helps you slow down, pump the brakes a little bit, how it encourages you, it really will, to read better books. You will find yourself reading better books because of having a commonplace book and making the effort of organizing. It helps your the order in your brain. If you're someone that you find it's difficult to organize things in your brain and you have a faulty, you think you have a faulty memory, you don't. This, I'm telling you guys, this is another one of those things. Our, our founding fathers and for 2,000 years before them, more than that, well, about 2,000 years before them, students, young men, you had to keep a commonplace book Your teacher would require you to do that because there was a belief that it's a waste of time to read if you're not going to take notes on what you're reading. Because if you're not taking notes on what you're reading, then the thing you're reading isn't worth your time. And they would have to, and you understand, the, the idea was not that this teacher was giving you busy work. This teacher was helping you develop a practice that had helped all the wise men before you, right? Like Lao Tzu says in Tao Te Ching, put your wheels in the deepest ruts. Why? Because those ruts wouldn't be deep if that road wasn't a good road. All of these people, you had 2,000 years of people keeping commonplace books and then all of a sudden just nothing. And then all of these, you know keep notes. That's not what we're talking about, man. I'm not talking about writing notes like you're like some kind of essay or something. That's not the idea. The idea is you write 
you're reading a book, you see something you really would like to remember, you write down the quotation, but then you take the time later on, you know, you keep reading, don't stop, you take a note, keep reading, take a note, you know, you find, you write it down, you keep reading. Then later on, maybe at night or something, you go back and you read the things that you've annotated, that you've written down in your commonplace book. And you ponder those things that Latin pondered to weigh, right? It's where we get our word pound. I'm telling you, your vocabulary, ponder to weigh. You, you run it around the old noodle. You're like, why did I? And then you write down. And the quotation is the least important part. You write down in your commonplace book, after, you know, that night or whatever, whenever you do your sort of review of what you've noted in your commonplace book, why did I, underneath, that's why the, the analysis, the interpretation underneath is, is as important as the quotation, maybe more important. And you're like, why did I write this down? And it causes you to, what heading do I put this under? Why did I write this down? What does this matter to me? It causes you to slow down. It causes you to organize your, because you will find that the organization that you value and that you utilize in your commonplace book bleeds into your life. You find yourself being able to categorize and organize things better that you see, that you read, that you hear. You find this habit this analog habit and this form of, of organization, this method of creating written memory does something to your mind. It helps you organize. And if you're, you know, someone that struggles with that, you're going to want to do, you're going to want to keep a commonplace book. It will help you push back against this, you know, scroll culture. You're going to take that time. You're going to open it. And you're going to read what you wrote later on that day. And you're going to think, okay, what does that mean? Why did I write that down in the moment? And then you write that down. And then you, it, it makes you a better person, guys, because it forces you and involuntarily to think deeper about things. And then it becomes this reservoir of wisdom because you're recording and not only the quotation but your inspiration your interpretation your impressions of that quotation from that book and remember that's going to make you want to read the best books right you're not going to want to take notes from rubbish books because why would you want to remember something like that you want your mind you want the storehouse of your mind filled with wonderful things that improve you as a person, right? You want when someone, if someone were to need you to lead them, you would want to be ready. And keeping a commonplace book, every one of our founding fathers kept a commonplace book. Every one of them. You can find many of them online. Right? I was led to commonplace books because of my study of the Founding Fathers. You know, I've told you that, stu that story. I'm not going to go into that again. But basically, I was going through the papers of James Madison that were published in volumes. And I went and I saved up and I bought volume one of the papers of James Madison. And in here, the first thing in volume one, so it goes chronologically through his life, the first thing I came across was this James Madison's commonplace book. And now, obviously, it's a printed copy, right? It's not the actual thing. But it's this comment, and I'm like, what is that? Well, fortunately, the editors have a little paragraph at the beginning explaining what a commonplace book is and why it was kept. And, and, but what I also noticed, okay, so I'm like, okay, it's a, not a journal. A journal is like, this is what I did today, and this, you know, maybe you even write, this is what I thought today. That's not what a commonplace book is. That's fine, and that's good, and that'll help you as well. Journaling is a good thing, but keeping a commonplace book is separate from journaling. A commonplace book becomes this commonplace where you can go and find things and different subjects that you've read, and you can see, and sometimes you can see the inspiration, the interpretation, 
the application, right? You don't want to, what use is it to read? John Locke has that famous quotation. It's useless to read unless what you read, you're going to apply it in your life. And I really try that. And I, I have turned myself into someone who does that because of keeping commonplace books. So I saw that little Jimmy over there, I know he told me not to, but he's over there talking to TJ. So they're good. And, and he told me not to call him TJ, but whatever, Mr. Jeff, President Jefferson, whatever, man. So I was reading it and I noticed that he wrote down in his commonplace book, he got it as a Christmas present, 1750, I think he was eight years old. And he starts taking these notes and I'm just like, okay. And they're like an eight, nine, eight through 12 years old. And I'm reading his notes and I'm like, who writes like that? Like he would take these these quotations and then he would write, like I say, he would write like his paraphrasing of it, okay? So like this is a book called Memoirs of the Cardinal de Retz. I have no idea. Here I am. And I was in my 20s. You guys are so blessed that you can start keeping one today and maybe you're younger than your 20s. Maybe you're in your 50s. Who cares? So old people, their 50s are olds. Uh, oh, it's my birthday tomorrow. I turn 26. Neither one of those things is true. But get me a present anyway, because I'm allowed to identify as whatever I want to. And I'm a 26 with a birthday tomorrow. I looked in the, I don't know who Cardinal DeRetz is, but I noticed that, like, he wrote this. This is James Madison paraphrasing the quotation that he annotated. And he's like, Nothing is more subject to delusion than piety. All manner of errors creep and hide themselves under that veil. Piety takes for sacred all her imaginations of what sort soever. He was eight, nine years old. Guys, I don't think an eight or nine-year-old today could spell nothing. They would probably have a tough time sounding it out. I don't, I don't even think they do that anymore. I don't think they like sound things out. I don't know. Who knows? He started keeping his commonplace book when he was eight years old. And this is what the, I, I copied it down because I thought it was so amazing. So the editors of his, pap the papers of James Madison wrote this about the notes he took in his commonplace book from age eight to 12. They said, it is incredible that an eight to 12 year old boy had such a thorough knowledge of Latin, comprehensive acquaintanceship with works in that tongue and maturity of thought. Guys, he had that maturity of thought because he, he trained himself. His father taught him to use a commonplace book. His grandpa taught his father, etc. And so he learned that when you read these things, you write them down. And then you end up, I, this is where I ended up with so many of the people that are in the founder's recipe because I would look at the commonplace book. Because once I found out about it from little Jimmy, I wanted to see all the other Founding Fathers uh, commonplace books. John Adams is really good. You can get that on Founders Archive. Really good. John Adams commonplace book. Same kind of... And I noticed these same names. They were always writing down quotations from these same books. And I'm like, there has to be a reason. Right? And one of... And I called it Founders Recipe because we have to... You know, we want to have the same ingredients. If you're following a recipe, you put in the same ingredients. Right? If you want to get... The delicious cake. You have to follow the, the you have to follow the recipe. You need the same ingredients. So I noticed the same ingredients in all of these founding fathers' commonplace book, and then it occurred to me. The commonplace book is a common is an ingredient in the recipe that made them who they are. Thomas Jefferson. Now this is he kept two: one for literary and one for the legal stuff. This is his, a copy of his literary one. He started his when he was 14. So a little, you know, kind of slow learner. No, when he was 14, he started his first commonplace book that we have. There may be one when he was younger, but we have one that he made himself. Of course, Thomas Jefferson made his own commonplace book. And this is a copy of his literary one. And he started when he was about 14. And the longest... The person with the most entries in Jefferson's Commonplace book is Lord Bolingbroke. Yes, from the Founder's Recipe, that Lord Bolingbroke. 
He is the guy who Jefferson wrote the most quotes about in his commonplace book. Now, when I first saw Jefferson's commonplace book, I, nope, was again, I'm like, who are these people? And so it's like, let me just show you. I, um, I, it's not the first page, but it's similar. So I hope you can see this. It's in Greek. This 14-year-old boy was reading Herodotus's, Herodotus's? I think I need a, hold on. Hmm. When I have a beverage, that's a signal for you to have a beverage. Today's cup brought to you by James Madison's house and his little saying there. Knowledge will forever govern ignorance. Well, you want to be more knowledgeable, you keep a commonplace book. And I'm not kidding. You will see. I don't even have to worry about it. I, I can guarantee that all day long because I can see that it happened in the lives of all these people in my life. Keeping a commonplace book helped my mind. It helped my memory. It helped me be a better speaker. It helped me be a better reader. It helped me read better books. It made me a better writer. It made me a better human being. More organized. I can think through things better. I can take things slower. I just became my thinking. My approach to everything became more organized. And I wanted to read better books. And that led me to different books. And that, and I had, and I knew I'm keeping a commonplace book. And so I knew, oh, I get to write this down, that analog feeling. And all of it contributed to, I have, in the other room in there, I have shelves of my commonplace books. And I can go in there and I can look and I can say, wow, I read that book and here's what I learned about popular sovereignty. Here's what I learned about why there is no liberty without virtue. And I can read so many of these things that I've read. It's like having a, the best of a million books in your hand all the time. So Jefferson, I read his, and it's in Greek, and it's Herodotus's History of the Persian Wars. And I'm like, what? He's 14 writing in Greek? And that means he's reading Greek? What the heck? Like, it made me feel so inferior. But it also set the bar high, and I want that. I want to have those people in front of me that set the bar high for me. I want to be encouraged to be better. I want to be better. And having this common... Guys, I'm going to tell you, this has the potential, like anything, like John Locke. And those of you who know me personally, I'm not a big John Locke fan. We'll get into it when I do a episode about him, maybe. Um, but when he said, he's like, what is the use of reading the best books if you're not, if they're not going to change your life? Help you form better opinions. Help you listen to things in a different way rather than just hearing them. You listen to them. You slow down. You, you push back against this whole, you know, that eight seconds. If it doesn't hold your attention in eight seconds, I'm scrolling past it. Don't do that. And this helps you because you're writing it down. And even if you have to force yourself. Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, he kept a commonplace book, which ended up getting published because he became famous. And in his, you know, commonplace book, which became known as Meditations, he didn't call it that. It was just his commonplace book. And he wrote in there, he's like, if you can, if you can do something every day for 10 days, you'll forget that you ever didn't have that habit. So if, you're, if you don't have a commonplace book, or if you've had one and you've stopped using it, start using it again today. Let this, be, let this be the motivation to resume that really remarkable and useful habit because you are going to hold in your hand and it, this repository of wisdom, and it is going to help you in ways. I can't even name all the ways. And what, what do you do? You write something down, then what? 
You ponder it, like I said, weigh it, run it round the old noodle, run it round. Just be calm about it. And you write down, what did this guy mean? What do you think he meant by, why did you write that down in your commonplace book? How does that apply to your life? Right? You take your time, rewrite it in other words. I remember one of the things that I wrote first in my very first commonplace book was, in Discourses Concerning Government, Sidney says, God helps those who help themselves. Now, I thought it was in the Bible, and there's lots of people, and you can go online and even read this. So many people drive themselves crazy looking in the Bible for that. It's not in the Bible. Algernon Sidney wrote that. God helps those who help themselves. I wrote that, and I was like, okay, rephrase, not rephrase that, but rewrite that in other words. And I was like challenging myself. Providence prospers people who pull themselves up. That was worth like six points in categories, by the way. Providence prospers people who pull themselves up. Just not paraphrasing, but rewriting it in other words and then paraphrasing it. What, what does he mean? Why would he have said that in a book about liberty, about natural law, about good government, about the fact that people rule, not kings? How, why would he have written that? Because I can't tell you the times, me personally, guys, and this is what I wrote in my commonplace book, that I pray to God for things that something will happen, but I don't work on that thing. It's like, it's kind of like treating God like, you know, your fairy godmother, bibbity bobbity successful. And that's not the way that works. God helps those who help themselves. Show, you know, if you're praying for it, that's wonderful. But then show him how important that thing is to you by working for that thing. Anyway, that's an example. And I would write that down. So that the quotations, yes, they're valuable because you can use them in your, in, when you speak. You know, it, it, it really does improve your vocabulary, writing down these words. And sometimes when I was reading Sydney, I would have to write the word. And then underneath in my commonplace book, I would write the definition because I'd be like, I have no idea what this word means. I would write the definition. And the analog act improves your memory, guys. And then I would remember that. And if it came up where in a speech or in a paper I needed to talk about this thing, I could go to my commonplace book, look up this thing and say, I have a ton of stuff. And not just the quotation. Yes, it is. It is influential. It is impressive to be able to say, so-and-so said this, right? There is that authority in antiquity. And that's powerful. But to be able to read what you wrote underneath it and to be able to explain that to people without breaking eye contact and explain it without um, er, stammer and just to talk about that thing persuasively, powerfully, passionately. Because I know there's some of you right now like, this guy's getting psyched about a notebook. And if that's what you think, you haven't been listening. And maybe you'd be a better listener if you kept a commonplace book. Because I'm telling you, when I watch podcasts that I watch, I have written down things so many times. Okay? Because the person being interviewed on that or the, the host will say something and I'm like, I want to remember that. Pause. Write it down. Play. And then I'll ponder it later. I'll weigh it. Ponder later and I'll write why that was important to me, etc., etc., etc. And remember, they're not just journals, guys. They are not just journals. These are the, your repositories of, of wisdom, of all these things that you read, or the song lyrics. I've written song lyrics because I'll, I'll be hearing a song and I'll like, whoa, I really like that, the poetry of that or the image of that or why, you know, I like how that made me feel, or I don't like how that made me feel. So I write it down and later on be like, why did I, how did, why did that make me feel that way? Did the, did, you know, did the songwriter, the singer intend, for, you know, all of these things, but it creates guys, the schema of your brain, your brain is a physical thing, right? You've seen brains, they are an actual thing, a squishy thing and pathways are cut in like literally physically cut in your brain when you do new things and you do them habitually so you start with a commonplace book now 
your brain physically changes. You will begin to enjoy. And you remember that phrase from Plutarch, insensibly softened? You'll be insensibly softened toward reading better books, toward having a more organized mind, toward having more confidence when you speak on a variety of subjects, right? Toward just having a desire and an urge to be more organized, more thoughtful, right? Do you remember the unexamined life, Socrates said? The unexamined life is not worth living. This gives you an excuse, a reason. Pause. Examine what you're doing. You could even keep a list in your commonplace book of how you spent your day. I did that one time. Many of you know, and maybe I've shared this with you on the podcast before, but I had that experience where a professor in college challenged us to write down the five things most important to us in the world. And then for a week, write down, keep a record of how we spend every minute of that week. And then tally up how many minutes we spent on different things and see how many of those things that we spent our time on you know, was out of our top five list, none of mine. Not a, I spent my time, I spent, none of the things I spent my time on, or I shouldn't say that, the things I spent most of my time on, none of those things were in my things that I claimed were most important. Keeping a commonplace book, that, that experiment alone forced me to analyze my own life and to say, okay, I say this is important, but I have material, tangible proof that it isn't. And having to write down that I spent 15 minutes, you know, doing whatever that I was not, not ashamed of, but I'm like, I won't get those 15 minutes back. I could have used that even in entertainment, you know, better entertainment, whatever, right? And this this gives you a reason to do it and i don't want to say it forces you it does sort of because but you end up cutting that physical path in your brain that le- and pretty soon your your brain goes down that path because it's a familiar common path so you know oh i'm reading this new book out comes the commonplace book and my pen by retro 51 or my fountain pen never your quill don't bother but you know, sometimes you want to, or my, you know, my black wing pencil, you're like, I, and that analog act guys is going to improve your memory. And then you have your book and you're, and pretty soon you don't even think, I don't even think about it. And that brings me to something, carry it with you everywhere. I can't tell you the number of times that I have not had my commonplace book and I've been very upset at myself. I mean, it doesn't happen anymore. But it used to happen when I first started and I hadn't developed the habit as well as I'd like. I would read something or hear something and want to keep a, make a note of it to remember. And I would not have it and I would be upset and I would forget the thing. So I keep mine with me. There's a phrase that they use during the Renaissance. It's a Latin phrase, vade mecum. I know some of you are like, it's vade. You pronounce Latin your way. I'll pronounce it my way. We'll both get along. Vade mecum, go with me. It's what they called, it's the phrase they use for the little book that you carried around. It's your vade mecum, right? It's the thing that goes with me all the time. You will not find me ever without a pen. And when I'm out, a pen and, and my commonplace book, you won't find it. It, go, it vade mecum, it, come, it goes with me everywhere, right? Because you never know. And, and, Besides, remember, besides just the quotations, it's that inspiration. It's that thing, that intellect, that understanding that is uniquely you guys. And I don't know that, and you don't know that you or your, one of your children to whom you teach to keep a commonplace book. You don't know that the things that you write down, these impressions you receive, these inspiration you receive... You don't know that that might be very helpful to someone someday. You know, you're dealing with loss. You're mourning the loss of a, of a loved one. 
and something you've read before and you remember writing it down and you go and you find it and you read that thing and that note that you took in your commonplace book 10 years ago was just what you needed to hear. And guess what? You comforted yourself because that was what you wrote down. And maybe it's the quotation itself, but maybe it's your interpretation of the quotation. That helps. But guys, why wouldn't you do it? You know, it's one of those things. It's like you can, we can have differences of opinion on many things, but why would you not want to have the habit of writing down things you want to remember, pondering the things you want to remember, then writing down any impressions, any feelings, any interpretations, any paraphrasing, and turning that into this treasure trove, this reservoir of wisdom, and making it yours, and becoming through that act a better reader, a better speaker, a better writer, a more confident person, a more thoughtful person, a more persuasive person. You know and I know of the power that there is in eye contact when you talk to somebody and you're talking to them about things and in your mind, you're able to recall those acts of when you wrote down quotations and you'll find that you remember them easier. They're stored in your mind easier, right? You'll find that happening. Why? That isn't an opinion thing. That's a, don't you, I mean, I guess unless you don't want to make your life better, but you do, we all do, right? We all want to have that experience. So keeping a commonplace book and, you know, organize it however you want, however how many topoi, right? Ever how many topics, who cares? Don't even have, a to have it done by day if you want to, if that's how you find it easier. Whatever you want to do, organize it yourself how it best suits you because it is your tool. You can use your commonplace book. The things you write in your commonplace book will become the raw material with which you build a happy life. There are some of you who are bound to make great contributions to our country. But you have to follow the recipe. Keeping a commonplace book is part of that, guys having an organized mind, persuasive speech, powerful writing, informed writing, orderly, calm, thoughtful. It requires you to think through things. You don't just become one of these people that just shoot off, just run off at the mouth because you've created in your brain these physical paths. That when you hear something, it's like, okay, I've heard that before. This is how I approach it. Now, as I said, um, Lord Bolingbroke is the guy who has the honor of having the most quotations in Thomas Jefferson's commonplace book. Now, when I have class, any class, online or in person, there is a thing I do, and I'm going to start doing it on the podcast. Normally in the podcast, I'll do it from at the beginning. But since you just learned about commonplace books and what they are, I'm going to do it at the end of this. So you can pause this, find the notebook and the poncil. Yeah, I call them poncils. No, it's not affectation, by the way. It's just, it makes me laugh, so I do it. Find the poncil or, or the pen, and I just say pen normally. Find your thing. Get a nice, oh, this is so heavy. It feels so nice. Get that, get your Clairefontaine notebook or whatever notebook I, you know. You don't have, you don't have, that doesn't have to be your bougie thing like it is for me. But find your, get, pause me. Get your commonplace book. Get your writing utensil. And I'm going to give you now what I do at the beginning of every class I teach, whether online or in person, give you a commonplace book quotation. Okay, and you write it down in your commonplace book and I give you time to think about it, to write down what you, what this means to you, what you think about this, 
what you understand this guy to have been saying, how it applies to you, what you could do to use that thing in your life, okay? And I'm going to give Lord Bolingbroke the honor of being our first commonplace book quote, quotation. Remember, quote is a verb, quotation is a noun. If I mix it up, it's okay. Y'all going to forgive me, right? Right. So I'm going to give Bolingbroke that honor because he had that honor. Thomas Jefferson gave that honor, and I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep my wheels in the deepest ruts. I'm going to, I want to be like those people, those guys that were so wise that I look up to. So you guys get your commonplace book, get your pencil or your pen or whatever you're going to write with, your quill, your crayon, whatever it is, um, your piece of charcoal from fire, whatever. Get it out. And here's the commonplace book quote, quotation, okay? This is by Lord Bolingbroke. By drawing the Constitution back to the principles on which it was originally founded, whenever it shall be made to swerve from them, we may secure to ourselves and to our latest posterity the possession of that liberty which we have so long enjoyed. By drawing the Constitution back to the principles on which it was originally founded, principles originally founded, whenever it shall be made to swerve from them, whenever it's taken off from those original principles, we may secure to ourselves and to our latest posterity the possession of that liberty we have so long enjoyed by drawing it back, pulling the Constitution back to those original principles. All right, write that down in your commonplace book. Ponder it, weigh it, right? Write your impressions. What did Lord Bolingbroke mean? What do you think he meant when he wrote that? What does it mean to you? And I know that this is sort of me forcing you to use this, but this, the ones that I give you are ones that have been, you know, made important by the fact that so many wise men have found these words to be wise. But now, the rest of the day, and until I see you again, you, you're going to be doing your own notes in your own commonplace books. That is so thrilling, you guys. I guarantee you it's going to change your life, and you're going to, you're going to be in the comments, thank you, Uncle Joey. This has changed my life. I can't believe I'm telling you. I'm not exaggerating. You will see the improvement in the, your ability to remember things because you're going to have that writing down that improves your memory rather than typing or scrolling you're going to find yourself becoming more confident you're going to find yourself being able to explain yourself better you're going to find your vocabulary increasing your handwriting will get better right your desire to improve will increase all of those things from this so take that commonplace book quotation that i just gave you use that as your first one Write down, maybe rephrase it. What does it mean to you? Why do you think he wrote that? How would you apply that? Right? Because if you don't apply the wise things you read, why are you reading them? And if you aren't reading wise things, why are you reading it? That the ability, guys, to read and to write is sacred. You know, for centuries the Egyptians didn't change their hieroglyphs because they believed the gods gave them these, these symbols and they didn't want to offend the gods. Well, let's not offend the gods, so to speak. Use this power that you have of reading to read the best things, to become insensibly softened to these principles that will make you a, a happier, more prosperous, more influential person. And I don't mean influential like on a global scale, but just influential in your circle, in your sphere, right? Keep a commonplace book, get it, and I want you to do me this one favor. And I will rarely ask for things like this. But will you write down, if you want to share, and even if it's mostly personal, will you write down, will you comment on this video what you understood from that, from that quotation by Lord Bolingbroke? Can we have that sort of, and I'll do the same, and I'll pin the comment, my own comment. So my own commonplace book entry, I'll pin it to the top. But will you do that for me? If you watch this, will you please 
comment on the video. And I mean, you can tell me whether you thought it was worthwhile or not. And I know that it is right. It's not the use of a commonplace book and whether it helps and improves you. That's not an issue anymore. That has been proven. Okay. That's not on trial. The, the benefit of using a commonplace book is not on trial. You're on trial now. Can you be someone who understands the benefit and derives the benefit from it? Right? So please, if you don't mind, do me this favor of commenting on this video and making the comment what you wrote in your commonplace book or a little snippet of what you wrote in your commonplace book about this quotation. All right, guys, thank you so much. And it's, remember, it's not just a notebook. It's not just a journal. It is something that will transform you, right, and make you better. And that's the, let's just be a little bit better. Me and you, let's do this a little bit better than we were yesterday, all right? Thank you guys so much for this, and I've really enjoyed it. Now I'm going to go back to my bougie pens and paper. Oh, I can smell the unicorn tears from here. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.